Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection, resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name and allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights unreachable to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in the service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service to your divine arms. Guide them with your uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Yeah. 
посещать Иисуса живи мечту Крылья, как у орда Дай, что в небе парить Стремится к тебе душа С тобой хочет быть Хочу находиться я Там, где слава живет твоя ты сердце мое от тебя говорит, ищу лица твоего, не скрой от меня его, желание мое одно. Иисус, оживи мечту, крылья, как у орла. Дай, что в небе парить, стремится к тебе душа. С тобой хочет быть, в доме твоем пребывать, видеть твою красоту, храм твой всегда посещать. Иисус, оживи мечту, крылья, как у орла. Дай, что в небе парить, стремится к тебе душа. С тобой хочет
мы с тобою быть, Тебе верен Тебя любить. Хорошо даже час ночной, Иисус говорит с тобой, Хорошо мы с тобой везде, Даже в горе, в любой беде, Даже если темно вокруг, Самый надежный друг, хорошо мне с тобой везде, даже в горе в любой беде, даже если темно вокруг, ты мой самый надежный друг. Разве можно с тобой скучать? Я часами могу.
And so before we continue to submerge into the depths of our inheritance, the unchanging epigraph of our study of the Word of God is Luke 24, 44. <clears throat> then he said to his disciples, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And for us, again, as partakers of the body of Christ, to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture, we will continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit and what is necessary to be done from our side so that we can receive the power the right to that power to put off our former way of life and put on the new form of life. This is an amazing revelation that belongs to the revelation of the last days. In the span of thousands of years, the church was not able to use this revelation. Not a single person ever has been able to be dressed into their new person, to put on their new person. Let us read this place of Scripture, Ephesians 4.22-24, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. If a person will be dressed into his new person, then he will become a person that will bring fear or, or inflict fear on others uh, in that his face, their faces will be shining just as Moses, his face shined and he and the Israelite, uh, Israelite people were afraid of him. Uh, this has never happened in history to the, uh, in the church. In the scriptures it says that kings will be surprised and the religious world will be surprised. That religious world that very lowly uh, treated uh, God's remainder, his, God's small flock. They considered them either lost or that something uh, religious negative happened to them. And they called the small flock very different names. But as soon as they put on the new person, the small flock, it is written that I will make it that they will come and bow at your feet because they will know that I have loved you. In the history of mankind, that's, this has never been that God showed the difference between those who serve him and those who don't. And so to fulfill this command to be dressed into our new person, we need a specific doctrine teaching what a person needs to do to put off the former way of life, the old man, be renewed in the spirit of his mind, and by the means of his renewed mind, be put on then this new person that is created in accordance to God into righteousness and holiness. And we know to fulfill this command, we need to utilize those three fundamental verbs to put off, be renewed, and put on. To confirm this given promise, elevated in status of a commandment, we will read another place of Scripture. This place of Scripture, written by the same author, 
He, in a little bit of a different format, identifies a similar truth calling us to take off the old man with his deeds so we can put on the new man. The new man is given the ability to be renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Colossians 3, 8 through 14, but now you yourselves are to put off all these, these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, for Christ is all and all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Colossians 3, 8-14. We've noted that specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting words, to put off, be renewed, and put on, will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath, or more specifically, will you complete your salvation that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it forever and our names be blotted out of the book of life? although they may have been written there at one time. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the third question. What conditions are we to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God, in Christ Jesus, in righteousness and holy truth? that is also called the sacred person within us. When speaking about clothing ourselves into the power of our new sacred person that contains the power of the resurrection of Christ, we've concluded that we need God's help. We need His mercy. The means of receiving any kind of help from God which we see as the inheritance of the mercies of God, is the weaponry of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth. Since prayer itself isn't just a man's means of communicating with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven, a tool that activates the given law of God, man gives heaven this right so that heaven may intervene upon the earth. <clears throat> Relevant to this one, this to this subject is one of the prayers of David that is written in the 143rd Psalm. The Psalm very clearly opens up the conditions, the grounds upon which a person is called to prepare a legal foundation for God so that God would inter intervene with his mercy into your life, as well as within the boundaries of those aspects we rule over and that we carry responsibility for before God. It has become the component of our study. Let us read this place, this prayer. This has become our prayer, Psalm 143, 1-12. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your works, I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you, 
My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, in your, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. For David, as well as for us, to hear the mercy of God, we, like David, need to present to God legal grounds or a particular right. And such evidence in this prayer, as we already know, were ten unique in their nature arguments identifying the right to enter the presence of God, founded upon the laws of God, which is the word of God that came out of God's mouth. This word of God has this word God has magnified above all his name and this word he willingly submits to. Specifically, these ruling and mighty words of God converted into promises and, and commandments for man, David presented to God as the consistency of his heart, saying to God, hear me in your faithfulness and your righteousness. Hear me because I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. Hear me because I spread out my hands to you. Hear me for in you do I trust. Hear me, because I lift up my soul to you. Hear me, because in you I take shelter. Hear me, for you are my God. Hear me, for your name's sake. Hear me, for your righteousness' sake. And hear me, for I am your servant. In the previous services, we had already studied the nature of the first argument that abided in David's heart. This was evidence that faithfulness and righteousness abided in David's heart. This served as legal grounds for God, giving God the ability to hear David and to stand on the side of David when he battled or in that position against his enemies. And stop to study the second argument. This is the presented by David evidence that in his heart the memories of the days of old were imprinted and all of the deeds that God had done in those old days. Based on the revelation of the Holy Spirit, we began to study the form of this evidence in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest. This item is a unique and as a continual memorial before God, identifying with itself continual prayer. The breastplate of judgment, as we know, was created and served only one item. This was the Urim and the Thummim within the heart of a man, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and allowed man to hear God. Therefore, to be heard by God in the revelations of his Urim, this Urim is the Holy Spirit, it was necessary to keep within your mind the works of God, that is his Thummim, that, that is the works he has done in the days of old. The breastplate of judgment as a continual memorial before God is a sacral symbol of the format of continual prayer, providing God grounds to fulfill His will upon planet Earth. Therefore, prayer that is not satisfying the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called prayer. As only the format of continual prayer 
Prayer is a dialogue between God and man, not monologue when a person has said something but absolutely doesn't hear God or God, what God says, or if God even is responding to the prayer that he has made. This format of continual prayer presented in the breastplate of the high priest gives us the right to come close to God and enter into the holy place as a king and a priest of God to present intercession that pursues the interests of his will. Here's how Apostle Paul presents the nature of the breastplate of judgment symbolizing continual prayer in his books. Colossians 4.2 Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. That doesn't mean standing on your knees for 24 hours. That means 24 hours be in contact with God. Contact that is not interrupted or interfered by sin. Where God would be able to speak to you at any time, whatever you may be doing, and a person person would be able to respond, where a person would be able to communicate with God whatever he does and ask him questions and God would respond. We note that continuing earnestly in prayer identifies a joyously burning lamp identifying the condition of the righteous heart of a man. Proverbs 13.9, the light of the righteous rejoices but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. That means it will die, it will be uprooted in the original. The lamp of such people, the order in which the breastplate of judgment was built, identified and enjoined the demands of spirit and truth that the true worshipers of God, whom God seeks, need to be in accordance to and need to possess. God continues to seek people who will worship him in spirit and in truth, and while he seeks such people, he will not find his rest. Once he finds his sufficient number of people, then he will find his rest. The Sabbath is the worshipers of God that worship in spirit and in truth. John 4, 23, 24. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. If the building order of the breastplate of judgment is interfered in any way, the breastplate of judgment loses its nature and its purpose. The breastplate of judgment identifies the state of the heart of a worshiper of God. Worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth includes not peddling with the truth when pursuing the goals that God has placed in Scripture, as people have done at all times and many do today, because of their stiff neck and to benefit their greed and hypocrisy. For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Second Corinthians 2.17 In the Septuagint, the translation we have, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of justice. As by the means of the Urim and the Thummim that is contained in the breastplate of judgment, God revealed to man his judgments. The breastplate of judgment is identified as the conscious of a man purified from dead works upon the tablets of whom, just as a signet in the twelve names of the patriarchs, the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh is imprinted. A conscience purified of dead works with imprinted faithfulness and righteousness upon its tablets is called to give God the right to function in them and through them upon planet Earth. In a specific format, we have already looked at the measurements and nature of materials with which the breastplate of judgment was built, that we are called to be in accordance to within our spirit and stop to study the next requirement that shows Exodus 28, 17 through 21 and you shall put settings of stones 
in it four rows of stones. The first row shall be sardius, topaz, and emerald. The second row shall be turquoise, sapphire, and diamond. The third row, jacinth, agate, and amethyst. And the fourth row, beryl, onyx, and jasper. They shall be set in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to, to their names, like the engraving of a signet, each one with its own name, they shall be according to the twelve tribes. Each precious stone presented a specific name of the Lord. We've noted that the twelve golden settings is the authority, rule, and order of the Word of God contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh that we as worshippers of God are called to present within the foundation of our continual prayer. Our continual prayer needs to be in accordance to the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. The twelve precious stones with engraved upon them as a sign at names of the sons of Israel is a symbol and format of our continual prayer, presenting the perfect judgments of God. From this we can see that it wasn't the golden settings being the truth of the word of God that were adjusted in measurement and configuration to fit the precious stones, but the precious stones themselves being our prayers are the ones that were adjusted and configured to fit the golden settings of truth. Continual prayer in the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the twelve names is a persisting prayer that in its intercession presents the interests of the will of God and does not sway, sway away or step away from the goal until what is asked for is received. Building of the breastplate of judgment within our heart is revealed as building the kingdom of heaven in the image of the tree of life. Growing the tree of life within our heart is building yourself up into a new person, created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. With this we note that all of the beauty and order of the temple was created for one holy item and served that one item. This was the golden ark of the covenant. The same thing with the ephod of the high priest with the connected to it breastplate of judgment. It was created for and served only one holy item. This item very accurately was called to duplicate and fulfill the function of the golden ark of the covenant. This was the urim and the thummim because the golden ark of the covenant as well as the breastplate of judgment symbolized from different angles and with various purposes the conscience of a man cleansed from dead works. The Urim and the Thummim in Hebrew means light and perfection, light and the right or revelation and truth. For example, the Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant is the truth. Again, this Ten Commandments symbolized Christ. In the Ark of the Covenant, it was the truth. And this truth upon the breastplate of judgment is the Thummim, the revelation that a person could receive at the lid of the Ark of the Covenant is the Urim in the breastplate of judgment. Therefore, only a person who has a conscience cleansed from dead works or who has a wise heart upon the tablets of whom the truth in the form of the Thummim is imprinted can be a worshiper of God. The revelation of God by the means of his Urim, that is the Holy Spirit, can function only within the boundaries of truth. This truth within the heart of a person is the Thummim, the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. As it is written, Exodus 31, 6, I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. As you can see, the Lord will not be placing his wisdom into a foolish heart. If 
your heart does not have the teaching of Christ that came in the flesh, then this person is waiting in vain that the Holy Spirit will speak. His own spirit or a demonic spirit will speak, but not the Holy Spirit. Because the Urim only comes, the Holy Spirit only comes there where the truth of the Word of God is, the orderly king, uh, Word of, of God, the whole Word of God, the whole teaching of Christ is the Urim. The friendship of the Thummim and Urim in the heart of a person is a unification of the two formats of wisdom, which state that the carriers of the Thummim and the Urim are true worshippers of God and possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says of Levi, the destiny, our destiny that is sealed in Levi, that we have binded ourselves to the Lord according to Scripture to be led by the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11 And of Levi he said, Let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who say of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children, for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless this substance, Lord, and accept the works of his hands, strike the loins of those who rise against him, and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11 After Moses spoke this prophecy, he in this way confirmed this promise for Levi, and it came powerful, it became law, and every person that is a carrier of the Urim and the Thummim is dangerous in the nation of God because the criticism that is addressed towards such a person will not ever be forgiven because this person presents the truth and the Holy Spirit physically presents this. God gives him a revelation to his spirit and he can reveal the truth of the word of God. In a specific format, we have already looked at five qualities of a warrior in prayer and the first five precious stones of the breastplate of judgment by which God was able to continuously reveal his will upon planet Earth and stop to study the sixth quality and the precious diamond stone. We know now that the sixth name carved upon the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment upon the tablets of our heart is the sixth son of Jacob Naphtali, which means wrestler. And Rachel's maid Bela conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali, one who prevails in prayer Genesis 37 8 the name of God presented in the precious diamond stone according to the Jewish rabbinate is El Hai in Hebrew which when translated means God is alive or God is living therefore according to the definition of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone we can see that the function of the sixth principle as a format of continual prayer is our right and our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battles against the powers of hell which confront Front us when we fulfill the will of God by the name of the living God. Jeremiah 10.10 But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. The name of the living God is a format of an oath and the category of the nation that had not learned to swear by the living God 
or swore falsely were utterly destroyed. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. And it shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name, as the Lord lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. Therefore, to not be plucked up and destroyed by the wrath of the living God, it is necessary to learn the ways of the nation of God to swear by the name of God El Hai, or by the living God. These ways, are the, as we know, are the paths of the commandments and statutes of God. The conditions that give us the right to learn the ways or paths of God's commandments and statutes to swear by the name of the living God is the thirst to know them. Psalm 119.32-35 I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart, when my heart will begin to bear fruit. When you enlarge my heart, that's when my heart in the original, when I bear fruit, or be, my heart will be able to bear fruit. While a, a person does not bear fruit, he will not run the course of God's commandments. Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. In Hebrew, the name of God, alive or living, means one who is abiding, one who is, with unconditional authority, defining a genesis, creating a genesis, holding a genesis, keeping a genesis, ruling over the genesis, and commander and lord of the genesis. Deuteronomy 10, 20 through 21. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oath in his name. He is your praise and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. And so the power of a warrior in prayer contained within the virtue of the name of the living God is called to present the unlimited power of God over the Genesis in the allotted by him for us time and boundaries. Therefore, it is necessary for us to look at and determine what goals God has in his intentions when he urges and calls his children to become warriors in prayer. Also, in what way and upon what conditions is God able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man may present the interests of God and implement or actualize his inheritance in God? Per the definitions provided in Scripture, to be a warrior in prayer is the lawful and privileged inheritance of holy men of all days. This is their primary or first most purpose that is revealed in their calling to trample upon uncleanness and the unclean in their prayer battles as the in the streets. This is one of the greatest positions that is gifted by God to man, in which a person becomes a king and a priest to God and is seen by God as a brilliant stone or the diamond stone with the name of Naphtali. Not being a king and a priest to God in the virtue of which a person receives the unique ability and right to reign with his informational organ over his emotional organ, it is impossible to be and remain a warrior in prayer. The informational organ is called to reign over the emotional aspect of the soul. This is the renewed mind of man, renewed by the mind of Christ. The prayer of a warrior in prayer is a sacral or holy mystery that has an unearthly 
Genesis. And we know that by its nature, the Genesis of prayer as well as the Genesis of God does not have a beginning and does not have an end. Prayer is the language of God, identifying the essence of God, the Word of God, and the Genesis of God. Prayer has always been the mystery of God, as it has always existed in the presence of God, as his golden scepter of favor, which he stretched forth to the one that would seek his face in performing his will. If, however, anyone dared to come to God upon his own conditions, not being called into his presence, then God's golden scepter of favor will not be stretched out to the one asking. This will result in the prayer of this person being unheard by God. As it is written, now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. John 9.31 The right to come close to and stand before God in prayer is the exclusive prerogative of God. No one will be able to or will dare by themselves come close to or approach God, the God that desires to abide in darkness or mystery and or in the unapproachable light. Jeremiah 30.21-22 Their noble shall, shall be from among them, and their governor shall come from their midst. Then I shall cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledges his heart to approach me, says the Lord? You shall be my people, and I will be your God. In other words, one God, one middleman between God and men is Jesus Christ. And so to come close to God, to approach God, is the task of one governor that came from the nation of the seed of Abraham. This is the only begotten Son of God in the status of the Son of Man, in whom and by whom anyone born from God and seeking God would be able to approach and enter God's presence. This is why when we pray, we need to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. That is how Jesus taught us when you pray, when you turn to the Father, everything that you ask from the Father in my name, he'll give you. He is the middle man. He's the middle one between us and God. According to the revelations written in Scripture, our prayer in the quality of a warrior in prayer, identified by the virtue of the diamond stone, needs to be continual, persistent, diligent, with boldness, with reverence, with faith of your heart, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, and in the Holy Spirit or praying in tongues. In the previous services, we've looked at the first seven signs of prayer, which identify the state of the heart of a warrior in prayer, as well as the quality of his prayer. And turn to study the eighth sign, this is prayer that is dressed into supernatural or upright joy. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones, Proverbs 17.22. Therefore, one of the signs by which we need to determine the presence of joy that comes from above will be a merry heart that will serve as a med medicinal substance healing and restoring and repairing his faith and his trust in God. Broken spirit is a symbol of a hard heart that is directed by the pride of his re unrenewed mind where there is an absence of an atmosphere of upright joy, one depriving God of grounds or a foundation to do good and heal this person. And to determine the essence of unearthly joy as well as the conditions that we are needing to fulfill so that we can grow and begin to reveal or express its presence in our prayer, we've introduced four aspects. 
defining the essence and purpose of the fruits of joy in prayer. The price for obtaining and expressing the fruits of joy, keeping and developing the fruits of joy, and the fruits and rewards of expressing upright joy in prayer. Looking at the first question, what qualities do <coughs> the supernatural joy have, and what purpose is covered in the spring from which the unearthly joy flows, we've come to the conclusion that that in scripture the quality or character that is included in the word joy as with the previous qualities is prescribed in prayer as a commandment as a decree and order and as an urgent military command that is to be fulfilled without deviation if this order is not fulfilled the verdict is death or a final split or break in our relationship that is contained in our covenant with God Apostle Jude concluding his short book to the Church of Christ gave the quality of joy its own elevation and rank as an integral part of our salvation in Christ Jesus. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, Jude 1.24. Looking at the above mentioned place of scripture, we've concluded that for God, Fault or blemish in joy is an absence of a foundation keeping us from stumbling into perdition to present us before His glory. The glory of God abides exclusively in the atmosphere of upright or supernatural joy as <clears throat> and is an expression of this upright joy. Blemishes or faults in joy is a stain, flaw, revealing impurity, abomination, and deceit. A person who has not gotten rid of such blemishes in joy, as well as in other of his characteristics, will not be allowed in heaven. Revelation 21:27. But there shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Determining the wellspring of unearthly or upright joy and the existing in this joy natural characteristics, we've concluded that upright joy in prayer can come only from an upright heart of a man in its state as well as in its expression or the expression of this state within your words and actions if within our heart we will abide within the atmosphere of upright joy then our prayer will express the quality of this joy we need to differentiate earthly or regular joy from joy that is supernatural that has its distinctive roots in God its distinctive wellspring in God and its distinctive Genesis in God. By themselves, the two natures of joy are two programs that come from different nature springs, God and the fallen cherubim. The heart of a man is a programmable system, and that nature of joy to which man gives his consideration or preference dresses him and rules in his essence. <coughs> And if we consider or prefer earthly joy that in this emo uh, earthly joy is emotional joy to experience something in the emotions, then it from one side will be the means we measure our relationship with God and from the other side will be suppressing and depressing unearthly joy. And so this unearthly joy is the fruit that it will be oppressing. If we will consider the joy that comes from above, then it also will be means by which we measure our relationship with God. Due to its supernaturalism, unearthly upright joy is not able to be experienced or felt upon the level of our physical abilities. As unlike worldly joy, it isn't some kind of emotion or some kind of feeling that lifts our mood. Although it can lead emotions after itself and we may even experience something in emotions after that time. 
but not immediately. When it begins to lead the emotions and our emotions are not ready, it will experience something negative. As a horse that is uh, a, a, a wild stallion, it just keeps throwing you off of its back. As soon as upright joy restrains the emotions and leads it, <clears throat> then, then our emotions will begin to feel or be obedient to that upright joy. Supernatural joy is a kind of discipline of the mind and heart, which creates peace in the heart of a man, as well as balances, controls, and leads our feelings. And when these feelings will be restrained with the discipline of the renewed mind and will of man, then his feelings will be able to experience the good and medicine of his joyful heart, which is a wellspring of unearthly joy directed towards eternal life. Therefore, upright joy prescribed in the aromatic spices of prayer flows with its streams from the entrails of our heart towards eternal life, is the confessions of the faith of the heart, that in power is equal to the power of the words that come out of God's mouth. According to the revelations of Scripture, overwhelming joy that is included in the consistency of continual prayer is one of the unearthly qualities and names of God Himself, and of course the children that are born from Him. This quality of joy may be received by His, his children in no other way but only in the seed of the Word of Grace in the Holy Spirit, and only after be grown and enabled by the means of the discipline of the will, mind, and heart, directed to continually abide in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, supernatural joy in its genesis as well as, as its expression is stable, continual, unchanging, and absolutely does not depend from worldly circumstances or obtaining materialistic goods. Identifying unearthly joy, the triumphing of the wicked is assured, and the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment, Job 25. Even in laughter, the heart may sorrow, and the end of mirth may be grief, Proverbs 14:13. In regards to men with unclean hearts and hands that filled the church back then as well as today, Apostle Paul states, Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom, James 4:9. This means that for giving preference to worldly joy over joy that comes from above, God will bring man to judgment. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these God will bring you into judgment. Ecclesiastes 11.9 Turning our attention to the unique wisdom of Scripture in defining unearthly joy, we've decided to look at the virtues of upright joy only within the heart of a man, born from the imperishable seed of the Word of God, abiding within Christ. And since the first spring of it, upright joy is God Himself, specifically, it is God who is the example and criteria identifying the quality and nature of upright joy. Therefore, the supernatural joy is not only the quality of God and the atmosphere in which God abides, it is also one of His glorious names with which He triumphs over His enemies. Psalm 43, 4-5 Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God my my God, why are you cast down, O my soul? Trust upon God, for I will praise Him further.
More often, speak to yourself. Turn to your soul. <coughs> Practically, this is uh, you making an oath by the name of the living God when you say, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? God has, is already victorious. He doesn't need to be victorious again. All of the victories are in Jesus Christ. We will still pass through because victory is already here. And we will pass through and come out to freedom because the God of gladness and joy is within us. In the previous services, we in a specific format already looked at seven signs identifying the wellspring and quality of upright joy inherent to continual prayer and stopped to study the eighth sign identifying upright joy in the heart of a warrior in prayer. The eighth sign, identifying within our heart the wellspring of unchanging joy, is the comfort of the Lord that a person can obtain only within the saving justification of Christ by the preached word spoken by God's delegated one. Isaiah 57, 7-9 How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who bring, brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns, your watchmen shall lift up their voices with their voices they shall sing together for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion break break forth into joy sing together you waste places of Jerusalem for the Lord has comforted his people he has redeemed Jerusalem we've noted that the reason that God leaves Zion and the reason why God again returns to Zion consists in our worship that stopped satisfying the requirements of the breastplate of judgment therefore God leaves Zion but when Zion has performed its sanctification and turned back to God his worship again begins to satisfy the requirements of the breastplate of judgment this provides God grounds to return and comfort Zion. Looking at the essence of the given allegory, we began to study the image of the Bride of the Lamb, that is the chosen by God remainder in the mountains of God, which are God's heights or His elevations. Dominion and fear belong to Him. He makes His place in he makes his peace in his high places. Job 25.2 We have been talking about the feet of him who brings good news as the anointed by God shepherd. It is the voice of, his, of the shepherd that we need to follow so that we can have overwhelming joy. Such a shepherd is a person that is anointed by the Holy Spirit to present to the chosen by God flock the doctrine of the kingdom of heaven that is contained in the elementary teachings of Christ. Such a shepherd is also any person that is garmented into the virtue of a student of Christ and is called to be a shepherd of his own mind directed to see God. Therefore, the word beautiful belonging to the feet of the one who brings good news signify the confessions of the faith of the heart. This is this in Hebrew means this word beautiful in Hebrew means reasonable or prudent, restrained, sober, chaste, sensible, acceptable or pleasing God, fitting for God, prepared to hallow God, directed or aimed towards the goals of God, honor God with holy things, presenting the interests of eternal life, benefiting and bringing joy to God's heart, providing God peace. Further, we pay attention to seven unique components with which we are called to differentiate the feet of the person placed by God from the feet of other men not placed by God and are placed either by the form of election vote of the majority similar to the elections in the political world to place leaders or a person who self-called himself. These seven are to proclaim peace. These, these again are 
forms, these are again, uh, these seven unique components are by which we differentiate the feet of the one from God, proclaim peace, bring glad tidings of good things, proclaim salvation, speaks of the reign of God, shall lift up his voice, sing together with their voices, will together be comforted. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we have already looked at the first six components, therefore we will immediately continue to study the seventh component. The seventh component that identifies the beauty of the feet of the person sent by God to tend the chosen by God people as well as a person who is able to tend his own mind is together with all be comforted by the Lord in the Lord also be comfort for each other this means that from one side the delegated one from God will be overfilled with the comfort of the Lord for the chosen by God nation that ended a God nation that has ended up being a captive of sin, illness, and sorrow, and from the other side will be overfilled with the indignation of God carrying the vengeance of God for the sons of damnation that due to specific recent circumstances have turned themselves into vessels of impurity and lawlessness. The level of hatred towards lawlessness is equal to the level of love for righteousness. The level of comfort for the chosen by God remainder is equal to the level of the wrath of God that is prepared for the unclean and the lawless that do not obey the truth of Scripture. God, by His nature, is the God of comfort as well as as one of the glorious names, his glorious names is comfort and the God of indignation. Because of this, his delegated ones also are carriers of his comfort for one and carriers of his indignation for others. Isaiah 51, 12 through 16. I, even I, am he who comforts you, who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die and of the son of man who will be made like grass. And you forget the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundation of the earth. You have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor when he has prepared to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hastens that he may be loosened, that he should not die in the pit and that his bread should not fail. But I am the Lord your God who divided the sea whose waves roared the Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my word in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand. The Holy Spirit is also a comforter upon the condition that we receive him as the Lord and master of our life and not as a guest. John 14, 26 through 27, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 14, 26 through 27. In biblical times, the word comfort was used and served amongst the ancient nations as one of the the forms of greeting. In Hebrew, comfort means haven, a place of rest, peacefulness, rest, calmness, a wet nurse, one who disciplines, joy, decoration, satisfaction, encouragement, instruction, the punishment of the Lord, correction, exhortation, reliance upon the words of faith, vengeance for the enemy, putting down the enemy or scattering the enemy. All of these so-called ingredients will give comfort. To comfort means to call forth, to convince, 
to exhort, to persuade, to call, sternly request, to plead, to entreat or beg, to encourage, to bring about a peaceful solution, to implement peace, to put an ending, ending to suffering, to give hope or mortal support, moral support in the hour of sorrow. To be comforted is to find rest in God, to feel regret or resentment for the acts committed, repent for what's been done, be dressed into the righteousness of God, comfort yourself with vengeance over your enemy. The place where God's delegated one will be a comfort and will offer peace is the symbolic mountain of God. It symbolizes the gathering of God's saints that satisfy the requirements of the bride of the Lamb that chosen by God remainder. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the suffering of Christ abound in us, so our consola consolation also abound through Christ. If you pay attention to this place of scripture, when the sorrows and life of the apostles increased, their heart actually expressed more comfort. And this comfort that as, was as a result of his sorrows, he provided it to the chosen by God flocks. The next testimony of comfort upon the heights upon which God performs his peace will be the prophesying from the spirit men that are sent by God. A very interesting uh, thought here. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 and, 30, and 31. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. If the those who prophesy do not prophesy in spirit with the person that God has sent to tend his people, then this means that prophecy, this prophesying is not from God. When God had sent <clears throat> and Moses to tend the, the to tend the nation to lead the nation. Moses himself was not able to serve or carry the burden of the of the of the nation. He even asked God of this himself. Then what he did is he put it on seventy elders, and sixty-eight were present, and two remained in the camp, and he put it on seventy. This uh, delegation, this uh, the power. There are two other gentlemen, and Joshua came to them, or someone came to Joshua and said, my, my, my Lord, they are prophesying, there, and there was supposed to be 70 people. The point is they prophesied from his spirit. This is God's principle. He will never give prophecy. Uh, of, to one who prophesies something separate because then there will be a difference of mind and heart if a person accepts the delegated one from God completely then can he prophesy within one spirit and the Holy Spirit can, uh, can affect and have access because in that, in that way, the responsibility is carried correctly. The next testimony of comfort upon the heights of God is the preached word of those delegated by God that contains the hope of our calling. Romans 12.12, 12, rejoicing in hope. 
Apostle Paul preached of hope and says rejoice in hope. Here's what he says further, Hebrews 6, 16-20. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed, confirmed it by an oath that by two mutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope to set hope set before us. This hope we have an, as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. We know that the blood of Christ was entered behind the veil and the twelve breads. This is all that was entered behind the veil, that, that was uh, present there, that was a testimony before God. These two things, as confirmation for them, as for us from God. And so this teaching of the blood and teaching of the cross need to be this hope or strength for us, or hope and strength, because blood cleanses us from sin and the cross separates us from the sinful man that is a producer of the sin. Second Thessalonians 2.16-17 Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. You see in what way uh, a merry heart works. A merry heart has this great comfort and this comfort has very many different sides also. The next testimony of comfort upon the heights of God is the preached word of God's delegated ones that contains the commandments of God upon the condition that we place ourselves in dependence of them and will love them. And I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. Psalm 119.47 If a person will not fall in love with the commandments of God, he will not be able to be comforted by them. They will not serve as a comfort for him. But when he falls in love with them, then these commandments and the man become one. It says, I will delight myself in your commandments, the ones that I have gotten to know. At, this is in the meaning as a man gets to know a woman or, or a, a man and a woman know each other. When a person knows the commandment of God, it, he becomes one with that commandment and you then cannot tell the difference where the man is and where the commandment is you become the commandment of God. You only do that what needs to be done, and you will never do what is not needing to be done or shouldn't be done. And then this will be a comfort for the person. The next testimony of comfort upon the heights of God <clears throat> is the preached word of God's delegated one that contains the revelations of God upon the condition that we make the, these revelations our counselors. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Psalm 119, 24. 
Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. When we receive a revelation, we we're sitting and listening so that they become our counselors and our comfort. It is necessary that this revelation be chewed up, that be meditated upon, to be received and say, may it be according to your word, Lord. Leaving the church, thank God for this revelation and meditate about it. When you meditate about it, the revelation that you receive in the church by the preached word, God begins to expand it within your heart. And this expansion is not possible by yourself. This chewing needs to happen also as the lamb it doesn't lay away from the flock. When they eat, they all sit down together, lay down together, and they chew slowly. People who do not attend uh, services will be uprooted because they forsake the chewing process. People who consider themselves or more uh, intelligent or that they have no necessity to be in the cell groups to chew up what they've received. It will never bring you benefit if you will not go further, if you don't pay the price, price further. And this is a price, a price of time. People were in the first service and then relax and want to rest for the body. They don't want to discipline their body and say, That's, now I'm going to go and comfort, be comforted further. As a master says, I will eat first and then you, my servant will eat. The body needs to be a servant, but we have made it our master. We are in one service and think, oh, this is sufficient. This is not sufficient. I already see a catastrophe of many holy people. The catastrophe of many leaders who have become to forsake leaders, forsake this uh, cell groups. Repent and begin to chew because otherwise these revelations that you receive, they will not be a comfort for you or and will not be able to be your counselors. The next testimony of comfort upon the heights of God is the preached word of the delegated of God containing the anointing life of God upon the condition that we make the word our food. Psalm 119.50 This is my comfort in my affliction for your word has given me life. So when uh, trouble comes, if we had followed everything that we have already been through, then in this trial, this word begins to lead you out of that trial. It's as if someone killed you, but the word of God will resurrect you and you will experience the comfort not just in your feelings. In the beginning, our feelings are struck first. And for this outer person to be able to rise again, the inner person needs to possess something. But if the inner person does not have in himself the word of God, we don't give it to him. The inner person is dependent from the outer person and that the outer person is the tool by which he needs to receive the life. If you pay attention, we 
приехали, привезли, кто там под ногами пришел, кто-то We came uh, in a car we brought, we came ourselves and our body here by our using our body, our ear, our eyes. By the discipline of our mind we begin to receive the word into our spirit and if the body that is not given into for as a tool of righteousness to God it will not be correct before God or in the right state we will not be able to receive anything for a new person and he'll begin to die there and when he begins to die there we will fall into misfortune and he will not be able to support us and when we're attacked and we are in a good state before God we give the our new person the opportunity we meditated we spoke in tongues we studied the word we chewed it up and when misfortune came and the devil struck us then we have in us our resurrection this component of resurrection and in the time of this trial in the time of this death you'll receive such a form of comfort that you will begin to sing and be glad <coughs> I've experienced this myself many times too when I was killed as it were and from inside me this resurrection rose and I from inside would be so joyful with had such a communication with God that I never had before these trials I had it but I didn't have it in that kind of level in that kind of concentration I just was satisfied with in my in with my conversations with God and the obstacles didn't change circumstances didn't change but I sing and I rise above those obstacles and situations this is my comfort in my affliction for your word has given me life to run the course of God's commandments in order to run them, you need someone to explain this commandment. Commandments have statutes. People think if you read the commandment, you can do this, you can't do this. And oftentimes people read the commandment and understand it incorrectly and then dress themselves into religious monk-like garments and think that that's what God wants. They begin to bear... Uh, children without control, not as something they want, but as something they that is required to be saved. <coughs> a blessing of, of, of being a father and a mother is not a commandment. It is bread. It is then uh, a hunger that a person has. A person, uh, God created a person with a specific hunger to uh, reproduce, to have children, to have a daughter, to have a son, and people suffer from they want a child. And as a as a hunger hungry person wants food, you give him <coughs> anything, a bread, a piece of bread, and he'll be very grateful for it because he's very hungry. It's the same thing as people who are not able to bear children for a long time or they're going to want to be fathers and mothers. <clears throat> and the Lord blessed them and told them, be fruitful and multiply. You see what people have done. They took this and have twisted this truth. They perverted it. They've turned it into a commandment. They say, if you will not be fruitful and multiply, you will die. They don't say that directly, maybe, but they say that if you will not bear children, if you will avoid having children, if you will somehow protect from having children, this is a sin. Is it a sin if, I've, if I'm full and ate enough and I'm full to keep eating? And so if you overeat, that's a sin. 
if you're hungry to have children, you can have 10 or 12 children. But if you're full with two children, four children, whatever it is, stop. If you have hunger later, have more. Why are you continuing? Protection from getting pregnant is not a sin. But the church has been convinced that it is. It is not written anywhere that if you do not, if you're not fruitful and do not multiply, you will die. It says if you will eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's a commandment. This was a blessing. Don't confuse those things. A blessing with a commandment. Jesus fed the nation. Thousands of people ate. And food remained. What are we to do? He didn't say, you need to finish it, it's a commandment. No, he said, gather the pieces so that nothing goes to waste. <clears throat> and they gathered, what was it, 12 basketfuls of bread. And so we need to bear as the Lord bears. And how does the Lord bear? He, of his own will, bore us by the word of truth so that we may be a first fruit of his creatures. Why do children of the Christian people are rejected. How many people, young men and women, who come to me crying, whose parents love them, but they think they don't? And you know why? Because they were uh, conceived, not wanted. But it happened accidentally, and they were unwanted. And they bore him as a, as a, as a command from God. And this child being was conceived uh, rejected in his, and however a parent shows love he will always he, he, he experiences then this re as rejection and he will continue to until the parents repent uh, for this thing it's necessary that husband and a wife want a child God does not bear into his family if he doesn't want it only when he wants it of his own will he bore us and so when we are overeating and overeating is a sin too uh, so when a person took upon himself more than is needed he doesn't know where to put his children he doesn't even have space to put his children people say well uh, God will provide and then they put bo boys and girls together in one bed uh, they all sleep together uh, and and things can happen, so even sexually, later in life. And how many of these people have we found like this? People who do not feed their children are not able to dress them, they're not able to provide because they don't have the means for it. Not the space, and they say God will provide. If God, And I said, if God would have provided, he would have given you those things. This is your role. And don't, and don't put your role upon God saying God will provide. If you have one bedroom and you want a child, then you need to understand that you need to have a space, a second, a second bedroom. Maybe when he's a baby, it's one thing, but a child begins to grow. He needs a separate bedroom. A boy and a girl, they need to be separate, separate bedrooms. <coughs> they need to be fed and they need to receive drink and they need to be taught teach how to behave with each other um, and, <clears throat> and the father needs to teach how to treat the mother and the mother how to treat the father and never argue in their presence yeah we all have done this we all have exploded not paying attention to the kids 
Do you know what kind of wounds this creates in the children when the parents fight like this? They equally love the father and mother. They're precious to them, and they, not understanding, are forced to take sides, the one or the other side. As you can see, if we will not be able to present such testimony, we will not have comfort because affliction will happen, but the commandments of God will not be our comfort because we don't understand them. We all also will start considering the blessings of God as commandments when they're not commandments, they're blessings. They put uh, a cloth on our head or they put some uh, require other types of clothing or and they make rules and they say God wants this. They require us to wear a certain form of clothing and this comes from a person. You see how many uh, pastors are and every pastor has their own uh, form of or imagination of what needs to how the, the clothing and how long the dress needs to be, and so forth. How, what kind of... How, uh, how much the back can show and how much it can't. Long sleeve or short sleeve. What colors you should wear and shouldn't wear. There's a Pentecostal churches here, even I've been there. There's our entire gatherings that you can't come... Uh, women can't come to the church without wearing... Uh, underpants or, or uh, stockings, let's just say, stockings under the skirts. Um, and the other rules that they make is that you can't, uh, the husband can't pray uh, in, in the bed if his wife is naked in the bed. And other, I've asked me questions, can we pray in the bathroom and, and in the shower? I said, yes, you can pray everywhere. And they almost disqualified me from the church. I was still just a member of the church at the time. And I said, you can pray everywhere. And they told me that this is heresy to pray in the bathroom. And I said, what? So when you go to the bathroom, you stop communicating that you, your, your relationship with God stops? Uh at that time and I asked what is this then and that's how people understand and this becomes a command and these commands of man people consider more than God's commands because that they're not explained the next testimony of comfort upon the heights of God is the preached word of God's delegated one that contains the law of the commandments of God upon the condition that we not leave these heights which is our church. And so salvation is redemption. And I hunger that all of the promises that of God that are placed upon our account, my account be fulfilled is what I, I hunger for. And the main thing is to be dressed into that new person. There's a difference between when a person changes the body and, the, and when he doesn't change the body, dresses it into a new person, and then the body stops getting sick at this time, all the viruses are destroyed, 
all the functions of the body are restored and if there were operations and something was taken all of this is uh, returned a person becomes young again his face begins to shine because he's dressed into that new person he will have dignity in his face and people who uh, meet with this person this, uh, they will become, be afraid of this person there will be something unusual they'll ask what is this I, I've met many people but something you have something that from one side uh, makes them afraid but another and from the other side actually attracts them to you what Moses had his face uh, was shining that they were afraid of his face but yet they were attracted to him in, in that it, they had a pull to him but what did he do he had to cover his face with a cloth in order for them to not be afraid he called the non-existent as existent as you know also Abraham he couldn't give to him without us and so this promise belonged not just to Abraham but to the whole church as a whole and God will show the whole world who the church is and the difference between those who serve him and those who don't serve him this is the hunger that God take and dress us in this in this into this new person the next testimony of comfort upon the heights of God is the preach word of God's delegated one that contains the punishment of God Hebrews 12.4-6 You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the extortion which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the cha cha chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. I really uh, have seen when a brother or sister come to me and I actually correct them on something, them to be comforted by that correction. They actually become angry and frustrated. Rarely do people begin to cry and re receive comfort from it. God wanted that we understand. Proverbs 29.1 He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Why? Because he refuses to be comforted. And that is presented in the format of correction. The, anoint, the comfort of God is also correction. God does not punish us with sicknesses. All the good gifts that God gives from above. Tell me, are sicknesses good gifts? No, of course not. So why then do you say that this is the Lord who has given you this sickness? The Lord doesn't have any sicknesses. We have within our uh, genes these sicknesses, and God is not giving us those sicknesses. God's punishment is God's correction, and he corrects those he loves. And when we understand this, we need to receive this correction as a comfort. Proverbs 15.10 Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. Uh, 
love uh, correction as your own comfort. The next testimony of comfort upon the heights of God is the word of God's delegated one, healing of the humble and contrite heart upon the condition that we will wait for our healing with patience. Isaiah 57, 15 through 21. For thus is the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would fail before me and the soul which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness, I will. I was angry and struck him. I hid and I hid and was angry, and he went on backsliding in the way of his heart. The unclean, their heart is not humbled. When it's talking about a humble heart, humble and contrite heart, is when he himself has humbled it, not someone else humbling. We sometimes say, you have humbled my heart, you have broken my heart. The wife can tell the husband, or the husband tell the wife, uh, you, you broke my heart. When someone breaks our heart, uh, this is not our comfort and is not a privilege we need to be so strong that our, no one would be able to break our heart once strong in spirit you keep in perfect peace and so you break your own heart before the Lord you remember how Mary took the vessel with the the, the vessel with a will and she broke it to put it to, uh, she she broke the 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 jar so that the and fragrance filled the house you need to agree that our heart be broken before the Lord and it will be broken by the de death of the Lord Jesus Christ when we make this decision ourselves to die for our nation for our house and our corrupt desires this is how we break our heart because we receive then the grace of the Lord and it is within us but for it to be able to uh, the fragrance to begin to flow from us we need to break this jar so that we can be dressed into the new to break is to cast off the old man with his deeds this is uh, the broken heart and then God sees this broken heart when you break it you know when you die for your nation you become a stranger when you die for your house you become a, an orphan and when you die for your corrupt desires this old man who is your husband you become a widow and so when you have these states of fatherlessness and a stranger and a widow then this state will require you to have to uh, will will you will then desire comfort and the Lord will come to comfort in this time if a person has not died for his nation his house and his corrupt desires he will not hunger for salvation he will not hunger it he will hunger to be prosperous materialistically to use principles that are given for inheriting uh, imperishable inheritance he will use these principles to inherit worldly possessions and you'll find many places of scripture as one brother uh, came to me and says 
Uh, I will bring forth 70 places of scripture uh, that he was at one of the conferences of dollar and says this is God's will. God wants us to be materialistically prosperous. We need to think about it. And there were places of scripture that he brought forth, the 70. They were absolutely not uh, spo- uh, written in regards to uh, worldly wealth of any kind. Uh, they, there's imperishable wealth and perishable wealth. Which one do we consider? and prefer the, when we consider and prefer imperishable wealth is when we die for our nation our house and our corrupt desires and then everything else becomes dim in the world we use everything in the world but how we use it we obtain as if we haven't obtained anything we lose as if we've not lost anything because we have that rich potential of the Lord it's impossible to lose the Lord but everything else doesn't matter because we are already in Christ and he is in us and that's how we are from this we're comforted and we are are joyful right now we're going to thank the Lord for that word that we were able to hear today and worship him Amen. however who is comfortable and may the Lord bless us in our prayer Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we worship before you again and again upon this place that your hand has chosen to worship your holy name. We thank you that you have allowed us to leave our nation, our house, and have confronted our corrupt desires so that we can have hunger for your word, for your revelations, to love your salvation in all its fullness, to love your appearance. And I thank you that your holy ones are able to know you within your truth, within your revelations, within your commandments, your statutes, and would be able to run the course of your commandments. May the hearts of your people be restored. May they receive those corrections that would you today have sent for us so that we would be able to be restored and to be in a good state before you so that our service before you be a celebration, that it be a feast, so it would not be difficult. We and a burden. We thank you that your service to you, when we come to your service, this is joy to our heart. You want your Sabbath to be a joy. So when we come to worship, that here we have the celebration of your victory over your enemy. May all weaknesses and sicknesses be cursed in your nation. May dependence from sin back away and may dependence upon your spirit and your word come. I know your your nation wants to be dependent from your word, but we need to pay an appropriate price, die for our nation, die for our house, and our destructive desires, so that only your desires be left, your will, and then we can enter into your presence to present your will, which is which is to heal us from all form of sickness, to heal us from all dependences of sin, 
May your greatness be blessed and your mercy for us. May you be glorified in your nation now and forever. May you reveal your glory and may you strike the unclean and lawless that are just briars and thorns in your nation. We worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now all of us together, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen